Well, hello and welcome to Table Scraps, the internet exclusive. I love that exclusive part. The internet exclusive edition of Table Talk Radio. This is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, and I am joined on the line uh, today by Pastor Tim Rossoff of uh, Bethany Lutheran Church in Naperville, Illinois. Pastor Rossoff, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be on the show. I'm honored. Now, we want to talk about uh, Brothers of St. John the Steadfast, the, the new website that's uh, incredibly popular and a great spot for those that are um, continuing to uh, fight for Lutheran orthodoxy, really, throughout the Synod. But why don't we start with this question? Who was uh, St. John the Steadfast or John the Steadfast anyways? Well, uh, most importantly, since we're trying to establish a group of uh, laymen, uh, John the Steadfast was a layman. He uh, He's actually the lesser known of the uh, the two uh, dukes of Saxony, uh, his uh, brother, who preceded him as Duke, Frederick the Wise, uh, gets most of the press uh, when you hear the story of Martin Luther. Uh, but Frederick the Wise, actually, was the one who protected Luther. Uh, uh, he, he may have never even met Luther. Uh, history's not entirely sure about that. But uh, um, John the Steadfast, his brother, uh, not only met Luther, but was an ardent supporter of the theology of the Reformation. He knew the theology of the Reformation, and uh, uh, that's why we chose him as sort of the uh, patron saint, if you, if you will, of the, uh, the brothers, the brotherhood that we're trying to start up. Really, really, it's just a, a, a men's, we're trying to start a, a new men's organization in the, in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And uh, John the Steadfast just seemed like a great guy to pick. Uh, of course, that whole steadfast thing is important because we're, we're trying to keep people steadfast in the uh, pure gospel. Yeah, that, now tell us a little bit more about the Brothers, uh, the new organization or brotherhood that's uh, around, what, when it was formed, why it was formed, um, and, and what the purpose is. Well, you know, there's an interesting um, story. I was... Uh, talking to one of my elders several years ago. He's a former Catholic. He had catechized into the Lutheran Church, became, uh, had become a faithful Lutheran. And uh, he joined our board of elders several years ago. They've, they've since uh, moved on to another congregation. Um, but uh, he was talking to me one day, and he said, you know, you know what we need, Pastor? And I said, what do we need, Marty? And he said, we need, the Lutherans need a, uh, a um, society just like the Catholics said, we need a Knights of Columbus. Hmm. And then, uh, to me, you know, growing up in a small town in the Midwest, the Knights of Columbus meant uh, you know, the annual chicken dinner or whatever that was open to the community. And, and so I said, well, Marty, what, is the, what do the Knights of Columbus do? And he said, well, they are uh, the laymen in the church who support the truth of doctrine and support the church. And I said, oh, you're right. We do need one of those. Uh, so... Um, we had just started uh, getting interested in issues, et cetera, as a congregation, and uh, I had a few members who just listened every day, and uh, a few of us made a trip down to St. Louis from the Chicago area where our church is at, and um, uh, we were going down. We took a historical tour of Perry County and the roots of the Missouri Synod, and uh, along the way, we thought, well, let's stop by the studio, and so we stopped by the studio, and we got to meet Todd and Jeff, and um, I mentioned to them, I said, you know, uh, we were thinking about uh, starting a men's group uh, in, in a, just sort of like some other men's groups that could support uh, media. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to have a national men's group supporting things like issues, et cetera? And they both thought that was a great idea, and nothing really ever came of it. And uh, 
then uh, a few years later, of course, we had uh, what many of us call Black Tuesday, uh, that uh, day in Holy Week last spring when issues, etc., got canceled. And at that point, I knew there was no more time to hesitate. It was time for action. And uh, so I just uh, started putting together uh, an organization, uh, um, drew upon uh, other pastors and laymen that I knew in the Synod, and, uh, and here we are now. Yeah, what what role did the brothers of uh, John the Steadfast have in, in bringing issues, etc., back to the air? Well, actually, actually, the the brothers uh, really the, kind of played more of just a matter of moral support. Um, we um, our our uh, goal is really long term financial support. Uh, we we met, matter of fact, we told people during those first few months, if you're going, if you want to support issues, etc., financially. Go ahead and just send your contributions directly to them. Uh, so we're kind of looking more long-term, trying to establish uh, men's clubs in congregations uh, that will actually attract people to the cause who may not have ever heard of issues, etc. Uh, and so, um, so actually, in the, it, ours is kind of a more of a long-term focus. Now we have been blessed with some uh, some extra contributions, and so we have. Uh, been able to contribute uh, financially to issues, et cetera. But in those first uh, those first few weeks, um, uh, our role was more just sort of getting our, our website up and uh, uh, helping to establish more visibility for the radio show. Now, you have a great website. It's um, uh, steadfastlutherans.org, is it? Mm-hmm, uh, .org or .com. Oh, uh, both. We, we have both of those domains. Uh, and, um, yeah, we... Uh, we Oh, we, a couple of weeks before we were ready to start designing the thing, um, a couple of us were sitting around talking, and uh, we decided, you know what, we're just going to kind of go for broke here. And rather than just having a, a small little site for the organization, um, we're going to try to to become a, a major player as a as a go-to place for um, for Lutherans interested in the pure gospel. And so that's when we sort of came up with this idea of having uh, 30 or so columnists, and we're almost there. I think we've got about 20 columns up and running, and uh, we try to put out at least one news story. Some some days we put out two or three news stories a day to kind of keep the action going. You know how uh, people are on the Internet when they start you know, uh, uh, subscribing to certain websites. They, they want to see new stuff constantly, and um, so we've got lots of different uh, columns. We have columns on the History of the Church. We have columns on the Liturgy of the Church. Uh, and we have columns on, uh, on you know, uh, controversial matters going on in the Church. So I'm just trying to always keep fresh material uh, going. We've got Pastor Wilkin. He um, he sends us uh, oh, one or two one or two posts a week, and uh, everybody always loves to, to read the stuff from Pastor Wilkin. He's just uh, uh, such a wonderful uh, leader in the uh, in the Church these days. I didn't. I didn't get to the the purpose. You want me to? Oh yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, the uh, we have um, we have a fivefold purpose. Uh, first and most importantly, we are trying to help men. And by the way, we include women. We it is a men's organization, but uh, uh, some women have joined, and, and we're, we're uh, okay with that. Uh, we um, we are first of all trying to help help men learn, promote, and defend the true faith. And so we try to provide as many resources as possible to do that. Um, we also are um, seeking to fund 
21st century confessional Luther media, uh, kind of the new media. And uh, that's where, uh, of course, issues, et cetera, comes into play. We, um, that, that's our only group that we fund right now. <coughs> but um, in the future, there may be, there may be other uh, new media uh, ventures that uh, the brothers want to uh, support. We also, the, the third of our uh, fifth uh, um, points of purpose is to uphold the historic liturgy. And then uh, fourthly, we want to support the work of the local pastor. And then uh, finally, and this, this actually probably gets the most interest, is equipping spiritual heads of household. Uh, I know that uh, people are always, when I see them, uh, around the church, they're always saying, "Hey, when's the next when's the next ish article coming out on uh, on the men as uh, spiritual leaders?" So, uh, those are the five things that that we're trying to accomplish. Fantastic. Now, I I would just I'm guessing here, and I'd love to hear what your your thoughts on this is that, um, I mean, an organization like this comes into into play because there's something lacking because someone in the church or in the in the district or the synod just isn't doing this. Uh, so right. you see a void, and you and you want to come and fill it in. Uh, talk about that void. I mean, and, and perhaps let me frame it in this way: It seems like we hear a lot of things what our what our synod, what our churches are interested in, and it revolves around this kind of frenzied mission work. Uh, right. But there isn't too much talk about establishing people in the firmness of the faith. Is that is that fair to say? And is that oh, perhaps... I, I, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, you know, on that whole business about. Uh about mission work and evangelism, um, the, uh, it, it, I, the, 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 I think there's a lot of good talk going on, not only on our website, but on other websites, uh, about this notion of, of God being able to, to grow the church as he sees fit. You know, that the scriptures really say a lot more about that than we give them credit for. Um, I think we've just sort of been Americanized so much that we, with our notions of uh, freedom and, and self-determination, that we just don't like anything that smacks of eternal election and things like that. But, but I, 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 can, I can say, even I myself as a pastor have grown from uh, listening to others and reading others um, about this notion that um, you know God, God's going to grow the church. He, he's not waiting on us. To do it now, for sure, you know we have evangelism programs at our church, and and, and it's still important um, that we encourage people to share Christ with others. But um, yeah, the church has has really gotten a little haywire on this whole evangelism thing. I remember remember going to one of my very first uh, district conventions in the Northern Illinois district. I had spent uh, uh, six or seven years in the Michigan district, and then uh, received the call to Naperville and was moved by the Holy Spirit to accept that call. And I remember the very first piece of business that was on the floor was a motion that said, um, let us as a district make mission, missions and evangelism our number one priority. And I just stood up at the mic and, uh, and I said, uh, you suppose we should change that instead of the priority to a priority? Because, you know, really, we need to make keeping the gospel pure first priority, because if we don't, as you know, Pastor Wilfiller, uh, if we don't have a pure gospel, we have nothing to share with people. And I was just amazed that the, the floor of the convention accepted that, and um, the amendment passed, and, and eventually the motion passed as making evangelism mission day priority. And so, so I think that little change, that little uh, article 
from the priority to a priority is important. Um, we, we, the gospel must be kept pure. Um, I think that uh, I think I think about this issue. You know, it used to be before the '60s and the '70s. For a long time, church was pretty much the same, and by church I mean what went on on Sunday morning. And uh, uh, and then all of a sudden, the '60s and the '70s came along and uh, a radical change in our culture, and then came the 80s when it made its way into the church. And, and all of a sudden there were choices. And, you know, I think the laity have always been in need of being better informed about doctrine and about the Lutheran confessions. Um, but, but I think we sort of limped along okay until all of this change came. Then came the push for change, and I think congregations and laymen are making decisions without really being informed. And so that's one of the things that we're trying to do with the Brothers of John the Steadfast, is call people back to the Lutheran confessions. Our, one of our main uh, um, tactics and strategies is to uh, start confessional reading groups around the Synod. And uh, we have a little uh, ticker on our uh, website. We figured if the Ablaze movement and the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod <laughs> can have their own little ticker, we'd have our own little ticker. And um, so far, I think we're up to like uh, 13 uh, um, confession studies around the Synod. And, you know, who knows when, when we'll stop. We, we hope it keeps growing. Yeah, 100 million confessional study groups. Huh? Right, right. <laughs> I was. I'm honored, by the way, that Hope Lutheran is mentioned on there. I, we're one of the most recent ones. We started last Wednesday a uh, yep, study yep. on the Lutheran Confessions every Wednesday night, and we have vespers which follow. So, uh, we had our first one last last Wednesday with I think 21 people there. So that's fantastic. wow, that's yeah. excellent. Oh, we're. It, it's. I mean, it's. You know, everyone has these different programs, these different ideas, and then they're shocked when whenever you have a confessional study group or a new Bible study, right. and people come to it that they're well, of course they. I mean, that's what. Uh, that's what the Lord Jesus says gives us life, is his, go exactly. is his gospel and his word. I I'm convinced, by the way, to go back to something you said uh, just a minute ago, um, that there are people out there that are convinced that getting the gospel right is the easy part. I remember when I was on Vicarage, it wasn't that long ago, five years ago or six years ago or something, and I was um, I was getting my sermons back all marked up and everything. And I was getting frustrated because I was assuming <laughs> that, that my uh, the, the supervisor was... Um, saying my doctrine was wrong. So finally I went and asked him, I said, are you telling me I'm getting the, the doctrine, the teaching wrong in all these places? And he says, no, 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 getting the doctrine right is the easy part. Uh, I'm just trying to help it, help you make the sermon uh, nicer to listen to or more practical or something like this. Right, uh, right. But this is, I think, the, the assumption of so many people out there that getting the gospel right is easy. Getting the gospel out or doing a task of evangelism is what is what the hard part is. But but the devil, if we understand the scriptures right, if we read them, we see that the devil wants us to get the gospel wrong. And he's constantly tempting his church. He's constantly trying to draw us away from the true gospel. And if, we, if he can tempt us to get the gospel wrong, then he doesn't care if we get it out or not. Uh, because what we're getting out is, is false doctrine. Whenever, whenever I have somebody bring that whole issue up, and they say, Pastor, come on, you know, we've gone over that. I was confirmed and all of that, you know. Um, it's not as important as you make it out to be. I always challenge those people. I say, uh, I invite you to go and read the letters of St. Paul. And I want you to look for how many times he encourages people to evangelize and how many times he talks about growing in knowledge, maturing in the faith. And I've never had any of them come back to me and say, um, 
Uh, boy, Pastor, I was right. It's all about evangelism. Because it's not. You read those epistles of Paul, and just over and over and over again, the emphasis is growing and maturing in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, and that has to do with the steadfastness again. I mean, remaining steadfast in the faith, right. steadfast, immovable, uh, and then and then always abounding in the uh, in the works of the Lord. Uh, that's right. fantastic. Exactly. Hey, you know, on um, on Table Talk Radio, we like to play a bunch of games. We have all these dumb games. They don't really uh, they they just serve the purpose of being slightly interesting to listen to. Although I, I've heard those games and I love them. I think they're great. I, we play one game that's called Name That Theologian, and the way it works is you have um, you have different quotations from different people in the church. So, sure, in fact, the, yeah. the most recent one we played uh, had all sorts of heretics in it, and then we just played uh, Name That Politician. So it, it's not really, uh, you don't expect necessarily orthodox theologians uh, to show up in this game. But I've got a, a quotation here, and I'd like to uh, play with you, uh, Pastor Rossau, if you don't sure. mind. Uh, I will give you one quotation, though, so this is a tough one. I'll give you this quotation, and then you tell me who you think said it, and then we'll talk about okay. it. Okay. We must begin to honestly view as simply unacceptable. The fact that we are surrounded by people who do not know and accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior from sin. It must be of utmost concern to our synod and to each one of us that such individuals are on their way to eternal condemnation. We must, in winsome fashion, share the good news of what God has done through Christ in order that those who accept by faith His undeserved love will spend eternity with Him in heaven forever. Today is the day to begin to refocus our efforts on the mission that Christ has given his church on earth, and to do so with renewed vigor, energy, and passion. Wow. <laughs> do I get a decade? <laughs> do I get a hint? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, let me read you the, uh, the sentence before this quotation. You ready? Okay. <laughs> well, this will give it away. <laughs> when I began serving as president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in September 2001, I set forth the mission of Christ as the primary emphasis for our church. In my installation speech on September 8, 2001, I shared the urgency that focus of that focus in these words, and then the quote that you just had. Right, right. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I was I was going to say it's it's either uh, President Kishnick or it's CFW Walther because you know sometimes there are these these uh, trick questions, you know, where where you actually realize that being confessional doesn't mean we we give up evangelism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah, toward the end of that quote, you know, all of a sudden it's the it's the uh, the primary task, you know. Yeah, that's right. It's and I we it seems like we always used to joke that you could go to Snodical Convention and you could bring the Bible on a note card because the only verse that would be uh, that you'd have to have would be Matthew uh, twenty eight, the Great Commission. Exactly. exactly. Uh, but even now, I think part of the problem we have now is even that verse is left aside when you have. Uh, for example, um, the Ablaze program uh, that the Senate has, which is um, w which is about evangelism, apparently, but says nothing about about baptism or about teaching. Right. Well, I think it gets left uh, left aside even that verse now because um, confessional laymen and pastors have done such a good job of um, sharing with the the Synod what that passage is all about. You know that it's that it's spoken to the uh, to the uh, disciples, that it's uh, spoken to those who have been called to baptize and uh, um, who are called to teach and preach the word. Um, so hopefully that's, that's a part of it. Um, yeah, the, these uh, Bible passages, they just get yanked out of context. I had a uh, had an interesting go-around with our, uh, our district president, and he was quoting, I think it was from Mark chapter 3, 
uh, in support of small groups. And um, it says uh, something along the line of, and Jesus took the twelve aside and quietly taught them, or something along those lines. And, and it's just amazing how that is taken out of context, as, as is Matthew 28, the so-called Great Commission, because that's not that's not supportive of, of what we know today as small group ministry, ministry in quotations, by the way. Um, that that's actually I, I call that you know the Jesus seminar. That's uh, that's the or seminary. That's the seminary of Jesus, as he's taking the disciples aside to teach them. Um, this is not about one layman uh, with other laymen in his in his living room uh, reading the Bible and asking you know the famous question now, now what does uh, what does this mean to you? Um, but this is Jesus instructing the disciples. This is the seminary. It's the exact opposite of the small group. So anyway, yeah, th- Matthew twenty eight gets taken out of context so badly. No, well, it's and it's good that we. I mean, we have a couple classic Lutheran doctrines that help us sort this stuff out, and the one you're talking about here is the doctrine of vocation. Some people are called to be teachers and pastors, uh, and others are, are not. Uh, right. it's, but all of us are called to know the gospel, to, to believe the gospel, and, uh, and to, to cling to the gospel and find it in our lives. The other thing that's, I think, very helpful here is this distinction between law and gospel, because what happens when, um, when a church makes sharing the gospel um, the first priority over simply the gospel as the first priority is that right, you've switched right. from from the gospel to the law. Exactly. Uh, sharing the gospel is a bit of law. It's uh, uh, you, you it's it's what we're doing. Um, it could be in service to our neighbor. It could be an act of love. It could be and it, it, it should be all of these things. But still, uh, it's what God has called His pastors and His people to do. Um, but to hear the gospel and to have it in its purity. I mean, this is where well, you, our life comes from. You, you've probably noticed that I have um, this um, obsession with the word mission. Um, the um, you know when you when you really look at the word mission, it's not a biblical term. Um, I mean, you can you can stretch it into one when you talk about missionary, um, but but this word mission that is so popular in the church today. Oh, we're all about evangelism, and it used to be evangelism and mission work. Now it's we're we're looking at the mission of the church, and uh, the mission of the church. Uh, hang on one second, I need to change telephones. Just one moment. there we go. The mission of the church, or the, that word mission, comes from uh, really from the corporate world. You know the mission statements and, and things like that, and and it's amazing how that has just become such a focus in the church today, the organized the, the organized church. Yeah, yeah, and it comes in from the business world, and then uh, I used to, well, I still do, I used to, two days ago, I guess, uh, ask people this: What did we have before we had mission statements in the church? I mean, there had to be. I mean, we've had them for what, like twenty years or something. What did we right. have before that? And you right. know what it was. It was belief statements, doctrine right, statements. It was right. confessions. Now, what what's the difference then between switching from a, a a belief statement to a mission statement? Well, it's huge. It's it's that same reversal of of making um, you know uh, missions and evangelism the priority of the church rather than a secondary priority after the maintenance of the pure gospel. It's the it's the it's a picture of the exact same. Uh, reversal and and switcheroo, if you will. It is, I mean, it's from straight from gospel to law, and that it, this happened without the church throwing much of a fuss is really, 
I mean, perhaps it's because our sinful flesh loves the law and always wants more of it. So when a, some sort of um, kind of young, energetic uh, pastor comes in with more law, people get all gung-ho and excited about it. But, but look, it's the gospel. It's what we believe and teach and confess. It's what the, uh, the Lord has done for us in the death and resurrection of Jesus that gives us life and salvation and the sure hope of eternity um, in his face. It's not what we're doing. It's not the, uh, as a church, we will strive to make more disciples of Jesus' followers or whatever the mission is. It's, it's that Jesus has come and died for us and that he's baptized us and that right, the Holy Spirit right. has called us. Yeah, that's fantastic. Tell, tell uh, more about, uh, I think this is great, and I mean, it underlines the, I mean, the great um, uh, work that the brothers of uh, John the Steadfast uh, are, have begun to do and, and by the Lord's grace will continue to do until his return. Uh, highlight some of the features of membership and, and let our listeners know if they would like to, uh, if they're interested, how they could join um, sure, and how sure. to find more information. Sure. Well, we have, um, we have two kinds of membership. Um, our primary uh, mode is through a chapter. Um, again, we are we are trying to uh, establish chapters, local uh, men's groups in congregations, where they will be able to, you know, just say to a fellow usher at church uh, or somebody from the properties committee, "Hey, why don't you come to this uh, John the Steadfast meeting?" Um, and uh, so that we can we can uh, uh, build a broader base. Uh, so we have chapter membership. And then we have what's called an individual membership. We realize that in, sadly, in today's LCMS, there are plenty of confessional member individuals who belong to churches um, that are moderate, liberal, church growth practitioners, whatever you want to call them. And so, so we certainly didn't want to exclude those folks, and so we have an individual membership as well. We have a, uh, there's a join now button right on the website uh, at, uh, uh, steadfastlutherans.org or .com, and um, the the annual dues are $25, and that includes the uh, um, quarterly, steadfast quarterly, which really I'm very very pleased with. It's uh, we've we've uh, printed one. We're about to put the next issue to print, and uh, it, it's really a high quality um, journal of theology, mostly for laymen. Uh, it, the editor is uh, Reverend Dr. Fred Bowie. Uh, he, uh, he's a pastor just outside of St. Louis. So you, you get that. There's also a few little membership goodies you get uh, um, when you join. And um, So th- those are the two ways in which a person can be a member. And uh, um, like I say, there's a little PayPal button right on the, the um Right on the site, you can also uh, pay through a snail mail. We've got an address listed there on the website. So. And pa- and pastors, if they're perhaps interested in starting a chapter of their own church, they can get some information there and pass it off to a few men. And mm-hmm. we have a we have a startup kit. We'll send that out to anybody that requests one. Uh, I think we have sent out uh, over a hundred startup kits already. You know, we just got going in July, and uh, we already have seven chapters. And uh, we've got um, about 150 members so far. So we're very pleased um, that uh, with the growth, there's uh, uh, we've got a lot of boots on the ground sort of work to do yet in uh, recruiting more chapters. But we've got, uh, like I say, about 150 congregations are looking over chapter membership. So that's a that's an exciting start. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, anything in closing that you'd like to um, that you'd like to leave us with that we didn't cover so far? Oh well, um, there is. Uh, 
just a great need for all of us, pastors and laity alike, to uh, stand up uh, and be steadfast in the faith. Uh, in order to be steadfast, of course, you need to know the faith. That takes a little more work than uh, what we sometimes want to put into it. Uh, but um, we are, um, I think we've created an interesting format in which to do that, and we look forward to uh, men uh, and, like I say, even women from around the country joining up with uh, the Brothers of John the Steadfast. Well, Pastor Russell, thank you so much for being on our guest on Table Scraps today. Uh, I think I read somewhere, in a Herman Sosa or something like this, that said the Lutheran Church still exists because she nightly prays uh, that great Lutheran hymn, Lord, keep us steadfast in thy word. And so we want to join with uh, all the brothers of John the Steadfast, uh, with all the Lord's faithful people, um, waiting for his return and for this rescue from this veil of tears and praying that prayer. Uh, and we hope to be a little part of that too at Table Talk Radio. So thank you uh, again for being our guest. Uh, thank you for listening, uh, those of you out there. If you have questions, you can contact us uh, at uh, our uh, our email, which I don't have Evan here. He normally is the one that gives that out. So you'll have to find all that stuff on our own website as well, uh, tabletalkradio.org. And uh, tune in next time for more Table Talk Radio and Table Scraps. Uh, Lord, keep us, uh, may we pray all together. Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. Amen. Amen. Yeah.